Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. I'm your host, Brian. Hey, thanks for listening in. This is Robert. Hey, I'm Zach. Join us for each episode as we apply the gospel to dive into the inner workings of the Christian faith. Are you agnostic or atheist and want to understand Christianity better? Want to learn more about Jesus? Discuss the differences between the modern and early churches? or maybe explore some of the Bible's most interesting characters, then we hope you'll join us in Achieving Christian Thought. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. Uh, we're moving right along here. Um, again, as always, Robert and Zach have joined me. Hey, hola, fellas. Hola, hola, Hey, what's going on? And I know um, our last episode, we did uh, some parables or not. Yeah, parables. And then the next session we did um, strange stories from the Bible. That's right. Yeah. Lesser known Bible stories. That was a a really fun one. Um, And so I think we decided at the end of that one that for uh, this episode, we're kind of going to explore some of jesus's miracles and just kind of discuss kind of miracles in general Mm -hmm. so that's going to be fascinating i know that's on a lot of people's especially if you're maybe on the fence or maybe not a believer i think that's the hardest one of the harder parts for people to swallow Mm -hmm. i think most people will look at most of the themes in the bible and say i can get behind the themes uh, of that but i think you know some people might have a hard time swallowing the magic or, or whatever the super, <laughs> supernatural yeah the or, supernatural. or whatever um and, and so that's uh maybe a sticking point to some so yeah. kind of uh interesting to dive in and kind of see what your thoughts are on miracles so zach and roberts yeah um so i will begin like with the first little bit and robert could come in and and then chime in and we'll move forward with that cool so First off, one thing that I want to clarify with a miracle, um, what it is and what it is not. Um, An important uh, distinction because a lot of times people will lump uh, miracles in with God of the gaps theory. And kind of, let me just kind of unpack what that means, what God of the gaps is. Um, In a nutshell, it's kind of like there's the idea that man, of course, Primitive man, ancient man, was too naive, too stupid to realize if something was natural or supernatural, like a volcano erupting or something like that. And so we would, the ancient man would then attribute something to God, which actually wasn't God, such as, you know, oh, well, um, you know, a volcano erupted and therefore they thought they believed God was punishing them. You know, when in reality, it was just a volcano erupting. And so a lot of, um, uh, I guess, atheists, people who are skeptic of supernatural events and history and things of that nature, really kind of throw that out. They kind of think that, you know, it's just, you know, primitive man was too stupid. Kind of like the idea that primitive man couldn't build anything super marvelous, so therefore there had to be aliens uh, it's kind of that same kind of mentality. It's like, oh well, you know, people in the ancient days they didn't care about truth. They just they just wanted 
to believe in God, and therefore they attribute anything and everything to God. And that might be an oversimplification of the God of the Gaps, but that basically really, in you know, my opinion, sums it up. Um, whereas a miracle, uh, a classic idea of miracle, and Robert can clarify this for me if I, I go astray or, or say whatever, something heretical, which I don't think I will, but still. Um, a miracle is where God um, interacts with our society or our world or, you know, the ancient world, I guess you could say, and does something that was impossible for something, um, or it can, at times can be impossible for the natural world, such as uh, fire and brimstone coming down and destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. It's like something that obviously was something that it was impossible to happen without God doing it himself. And so... Whereas miracles can be something supernatural such as that, and it could also be something less dramatic, you know, like such as Jesus turning the water to wine, which is going to be my, later on one of my references of a miracle. Um, so they, they, can, they can vary in between, and, and that would be kind of like my distinction between the two. And Robert, if you have any clarification thoughts or whatever... Um, just to add another layer to everything Zach has said, and you did a phenomenal job. Another layer to make a distinction with, he made a distinction between the Christian idea of miracle and this God of a God of the gap scapegoat to escape something you're refusing to research or refusing to come to terms with in nature. But speaking of things in nature, another distinction that's definitely worth making whenever you're talking to anybody about miracles is the distinction between miracle and providence. Uh, basically, the idea that a miracle has been usual by by many many scholarly evangelical circles, um, they'll say that a miracle is a direct event in which something divine interacts with the world that created it. Um, some uh, here's an example: um, an apple falls from a tree and it will land on the ground. We expect it to. We understand what gravity is. Now, if that Apple suddenly stops and just floats in midair, and there's no magnetic pulse to explain that somehow. There's no scientific reason to understand why that stopped falling, and they've searched everything from the ground up. There's a Jedi nearby. Yes, it is the Force. The Force is miraculous. <laughs> the invisible dude. And that is a direct miracle. Now, providence is no less divine, but it's a whole different idea of how to get the job done. Now, let's say God did not want that apple to hit the ground. For some reason, some butterfly effect reason, if this apple hits the ground, it'll set off a chain of events that will start World War III, and God doesn't want World War III to happen. Now, let's say, for example, the tree starts to fall, and it actually bangs against a branch flies off at an angle and lands on a farmer's shoe. And a farmer who's puck, uh, picking the apples, he sees it, puts it in his bag. It never touched the ground. Now, you could explain all of this by natural events. It banged the branch. The, the branch altered its trajectory. It landed on the farmer's shoe. There's nothing miraculous about this at first glance, and yet it is God using particular natural events to ensure that what he wants done is done. Um, one thing that I've heard many people who are historians, con who are believers, they consider providential would be the example of World War II. Uh, we could not get ahead of the Germans because they were using 
uh, the Nazis to be more particular, but uh, they, they were using a certain code. And by chance, they just happened upon um, a vessel that helped them to crack that code, and then the, the tide of war started to turn. Without it, then it's very possible, very likely, that the Nazis would have won. And I've heard that as a sure example of what must be providence if it was God's will to preserve the free world beyond Hitler's demented dreams. And so there are a lot of times in Scripture where people will get to the bottom of these things. Um, for example, you could watch a long documentary. There's a phenomenal one by National Geographic about, and that's just one example among many, the parting of the Red Sea or the Sea of Reeds in Hebrew. And what it says is that there are certain natural events that could potentially explain how that event occurred. Now, some people, I've actually heard a lot of believers, they go, and I've actually fallen to the trap of I'll recommend it to people because I loved it. I got excited about it because I saw it as providence. God used these things. And I would actually recommend this to somebody, and they'd come back discouraged because they thought they they would got the impression that oh, National Geographic's trying to explain this away. And the answer is yes and no. Uh, basically, the idea of you know God could have used these things, these natural things, to make these things happen. Now, one thing that has to be said that never really seems to get touched is if these theories are correct that would still provide a conclusion where the ancient Jews saw this stuff happen. <laughs> it's not like they sat down and made these stories up as soon as Moses passed away. Mm. If, so, if there was a, a version of natural cause and effect, then, I mean, that's still an entire generation of Jewish people who saw all of these things happen in the sequence that they were supposed to according to a prophet's word. And whether they were natural or not, this, the fact that they occurred exactly as predicted would tell you that something intelligent was behind these cause and events. Uh, imagine a very, very intricate set of dominoes set up on a table. You have a very uh, beautiful design. Um, I know of some artists who make really elaborate ones, and you can't see the picture until all the dominoes have fallen. Now, you can flick the domino and it'll be a natural cause and effect of gravity that each domino hits the one in front of it until it's finished. But the fact that there's a picture at the end and the fact that they fell over precisely as the artist intended when he sets that chain reaction off tells you that there is something intelligent behind what just occurred. And so he is using gravity to his advantage because he understands it. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we see sometimes God doing in Scripture. Yeah, and I think another good example, kind of going back to my... Um example of God bringing judgment. Um, one instance was with Sodom and Gomorrah where he rained fire and brimstone down. And then another instance, and this goes back to kind of like Robert's example, so you have that supernatural event where God did something miraculous. Fire came from heaven with brimstone and what have you. But then later on, several hundred, maybe even a thousand years later, the uh, the uh, uh, Babylonians had a king rise up named Nebuchadnezzar, um, and God used Nebuchadnezzar to bring judgment on um, Judah for their idolatry and things of that nature. So God, like, here's an example where God brings judgment supernaturally with Sodom and Gomorrah, but then also providentially by raising up a pagan nation that then brings judgment on Israel because of their disobedience to God. Um, so there's kind of like how that could play out in scripture. Oh yeah. So, and I know some of, uh, 
our audience, if I don't play devil's advocate or ask the question, I know you can probably hear people screaming um, into their <laughs> phones or whatever they're listening <laughs> to. But how would someone who doesn't believe, how would you ask them to accept uh, providence when you're saying, okay, like you're apple falling from the tree but it hits something the apple hits the farmer's foot whatever it doesn't actually touch the ground how would you expect a non-believer to accept that's god's will versus just a set of coincidence that caused that to happen instead of an alternative like if that farmer's foot had been an inch to the right that apple still would have hit the ground Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and maybe that's too generic of an example, but if I guess I could hear them saying it would be hypocritical of we're saying, well, we're incapable of fathoming God's will mm-hmm. because we're not, but then saying all of this stuff providentially that happens is a result of God's will mm-hmm. when it's just mundane things that happen over the course of a spirit of time right. that lead to an outcome. Uh, well, I would say first, in 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 uh, at least in our example of scripture, exe- with exemption of example of the the Bible, um, you have a lot of instances where God says, "I will do something," and the event that takes place isn't for another hundred, two hundred, sometimes even three hundred years. Like a, a, a great example is the the uh, Messiah, the coming of the Messiah, who we believe is Jesus. You know, uh, Isaiah prophesies that several hundred years, easily several hundred years before that happened. So in instances of Scripture where, you know, you see God saying, I will do this, and then hundreds of years later, those things take place. And so I would say that's an example of where that clearly is delineated from Scripture. Um, I would say one thing that kind of goes against our idea with what Robert was talking about is because we don't actually have um, people, like, prophesying, even though there's some people who out there who claim they are, (laughs) but um, that's a whole separate issue. Um, But... You know, as, uh, according to Scripture, the canon is closed. The need for prophets and and prophecy is closed in that office. Um, so um, that's where it kind of gets a little hairy. Like whenever something providence happens, and we as Christians interpret it as God doing something. Now, is it possible that that's just random chance, and we're attributing to that to God? That is potentially possible, but with the reality of what we embrace as miracles, it embraces the supernatural and the natural. Mm-hmm. So we don't say it's it's all God or this. I mean, it could be either or, or it could be both. It could be God doing something providentially, but it could also be something, you know, like, you know, just the... Um, random thing happening an event Mm -hmm. exactly um you know for example there 
have been a lot of natural disasters that there have always been some false prophets want to spring up. And they hit on, they jump all over the news outlets, mm. and they say, "Why did this happen?" They say, "Oh, I know exactly why this happened. It's because God is angry at these people that I personally dislike." <laughs> <laughs> it always happens. It's always the people that they dislike. It always happens, and nine times out of ten, and I'll be careful saying it, but I believe it. Nine times out of ten, natural disasters literally are just accidents in a fallen world they just happened by chance and the god who made it decided for whatever reason not to intervene most of the time he will allow his machine to just go the way it cranks and if it fizzes out there are going to be kinks and mistakes and gizmos because if he if he fixed every last little bulb he uh, none of us living in the world would even recognize that something's wrong with it Oh, um, and going back kind of like what you're saying, uh, also, Robert, uh, a lot of people, a lot of skeptics will talk about how, um, like, with if you believe in God and he's involved, like, they, they, they kind of set up this, they, this false dichotomy. Either the system, talking about creation, is closed and God can't intervene, such as there can't be miracles, or... You know, the other option is God can intervene, and not only can he intervene, but he can do and mess up anything, so anything and everything is happenstance. So it's kind of like, in other words, like God could arbitrarily change the laws of gravity because he feels like it one day. Um, and so they'll, they'll kind of straw man the idea of what miracles are in Christianity because that is actually not what we believe. We believe that there is a God... Because there's, in other words, there's a third option there. It's not just God can interact with our world and everything subject to change at any given time, or it's and not just a closed world. It's a world that God created, and that if He so sees fit, He can interact with that world. He could do miracles. That does not mean by necessity that laws of physics and things like that will just randomly change or arbitrarily change because God on a whim decides it should be different, as in that first instance of talking about miracles, like falsely um, uh, categorizing God as being like this guy that will randomly change his mind of how reality functions, mm-hmm. or it's a closed system. It's mm-hmm. actually a third option. It's It's... There is a, a system in place, and it does function kind of like what Robert says, but every so often, if God sees fit, he can interact with the world, whether it be through providence or through an actual miracle of him doing something. And that is the distinction of what Christians classically believe. Exactly. And, you know, going off uh, what he just added to this, uh, you know, the idea that most of the things that occur, they do just naturally fall into place. Now, to wrap this up, to answer Brian's question on behalf of those out there who are thinking it themselves, how can we use this as a scapegoat? This is like the Christian get out, uh, the, the bar of soap to slip out of the tight places. If it happens, it must have been God's will. If uh, something occurs and it seems kind of coincidental to us, we've all heard of the person who reads the very, very vague fortune online and you know you will find a happy thing today. If one good happy thing happens, <gasps> this was mystical. It, was true. it actually happened. I mean, you could have a restaurant full of fortune cookies, and every one you pop open, just you will probably keep breathing for a while. <laughs> and I mean, you know, no matter how vague it can be, you kind of self-replicate that. So how do we know Christians aren't? Now, 
to the two layers um, are um, the things in the past that Christians have historically believed to be miraculous or providential. Um, all the examples between the pages of Scripture, the parting of the Red Sea, um, the, the donkey that speaks, I mean, the list goes on and on. All of these things have been testified to be his activity. Therefore, and it's purely philosophical, since we believe that there is someone here, therefore he chooses what he can do. And when he chooses to step in, as Zach said, he can at any time. He doesn't most of the time, because why would he go to the to the process of creating a self-sustaining machine and then mess with it all the time? But when he does choose to do it, and he says, this was me, points to that, this was me, there are ancient pages that say, when this occurs in the future, from our perspective, it was in the past, you will know it was me. Mm-hmm. A great example of that, just to, without going into it too much, is the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is something that has not happened yet, but God predicted that it would happen thousands of years ago. And a lot of people will say, oh, well, that's just superstition. That won't happen. But um, as time will move forward, eventually those things, those events will take place, mm-hmm. and that will be a clear mark of how God has communicated something thousands of years ago to the point where people are like, will it actually happen and then it actually does take place, and then we can look back and go, oh, well, there's God. He promised 2,000-plus years, however many, however many years it is between now and the revelation unfolding, you know, however many years that is, that that was prophesied in a proper prophecy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Christians look forward to it based on the past. Now, I don't mean that in the sense that they can't wait to watch people burn, but we look forward to the future hope of Jesus coming and restoring everything that's wrong with the world in light of the past. So he has fulfilled 90% of everything in that book already. Therefore, he promises he'll fulfill that last 10%, and we trust him for it based on that. Mm. Now, in the meantime, and this is the second tier that I was working on, tier one is in Scripture. If it says that it was uh, uh, miraculous, we believe it. Therefore, but now... If something happened tomorrow, if a hurricane hit tomorrow, how do we not know that it is God's work? How do we not know? And the answer is we don't. We just rest in the fact that, in general, we know that God is always working somewhere, somehow. He's always in control. Something could hit tomorrow, and it could be complete, utter, random chance, and God just chose not to intervene with it. But he knows if there's any way to use it for good, he can orchestrate that. Yeah, the providence in it. Providence in it. Because we always love to pull examples from history, but we're living living history right now. Mm -hmm. And 50 years from now, future generations of Christians can look back and say, oh, yeah, when this occurred, you know, think of anything going on right now, pop culture, politics, Mm -hmm. um, people moving, things happening, history being written. They could look back and say, yeah, that was a providential event because in 20 more years that as we sit here recording, we have no idea what 20 more years is going to bring. This happened because of that. Mm -hmm. And it was something as simple as a dog sniffing a fire hydrant at the time. Mm -hmm. But God saw the whole picture. But um, to answer that question, we rest in it looking to the past and to the future, knowing that God has control over our present right now in a way that we can't currently see. But we choose to trust him with it. Mm And that isn't to say that there's not instances of where people, um, well-meaning people, might you know take verses out of context and and apply them and say, well, you know, 
because you know God did something in the Old Testament, and therefore because that happened in that sense, situation, and then this happened in this situation, therefore that's God's judgment. I feel like that a lot of times those are those uh, people, kind of like what Robert was talking about, like you know God said He'll do this to the Israelites if they don't repent and believe, and then they'll run a parallel to like America today and go, oh well, because we've not believed, this is why this happened. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that could be a topic, you know, in a whole episode of its own. But why not right now? All the ways. <laughs> why that, not right why now? Why not right now? All the ways that miracles have and continue to be abused. Mm-hmm. The very idea of miracles and the examples go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, he was Zach was just talking about people who point to certain passages and pull them out of context. Um, this will probably date the podcast a little bit. In two or three years from now, you'll hear this and laugh. But uh, at the time of this recording, there's a brand new documentary on Netflix uh, about this very thing called Keep Sweet, Pray, and Obey. And I watched it over the course of a, two or three nights, and I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. It's the story of uh, the FLDS, extremely radically um, what you'd call orthodox slash traditional views within the Latter-day Saint Church. And what the... The views that made them so radical is the original version of this group that came down from Joseph Smith. They taught it was their official doctrine. In their view, it came directly from God that men were required to have more than one wife. It was part of their life. Now, this group in the documentary, they broke apart from the mainstream Mormon group, and they started this group that wanted to go back to the 1800s with their teachings. And so... These people to this day continue to live in compounds out west, uh, Texas, Arizona, Utah. And these people are all underneath the voice of a single human prophet named Warren Jeffs. Now, many of you actually remember when this was current news in the, two th- in the early to mid-2000s. But he is now in prison, praise the Lord, for statutory rape because he'd been dealing with minors. Um, in part of that documentary, you hear audio evidence of Warren Jeffs sanctifying sex that he's about to have with 12, 13, 14-year-old girls. And you hear their voices in the tape. And that is what finally put, put this man behind bars. But amen. what Amen. But what these teachings did was he took, um, if I understand where they're headed with this, he took the teachings of Genesis and flipped them on their head. So he took the um, consideration of God's promise and fulfillment. Now that is a, a miracle in and of itself. God intervened made a promise to a man named Abraham, and that promise was fulfilled. Now, For Abraham, specifically to <laughs> Abraham, not yeah. to everybody else. No, to everybody Suspe- who wants Only many wives. to Abraham. And the Lord blessed every man who was willing to go crazy. But <laughs> Just no. Abraham. Emphasis added. <laughs> Abraham yes. only. Yes, and that's exactly where I'm headed with this. This was abused because he took the miracle of God's promise, the God's blessing, Specifically for Abraham, I plagiarized that straight from Zach just now. Abraham, emphasis <laughs> only added. Abraham, and to this day, yeah, who was it for? <laughs> Abraham, I'm, I'm, to I'm this unclear who it was for. Abraham. Okay, so everybody got it. Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. Everybody who wants it, name it, claim it, and hold it tight. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, and that, and that's the reality of is this this monster, and that is exactly what this is took advantage of children now i mean i get like if you as an adult like 
decide to commit to do these things as an adult. I'm not agreeing with it, but as an adult, you have the freedom to make those choices. And if you are talking to adults, women who choose to do that, then that is, although I don't see it as right, but it's they as adults have the right to make those decisions. Yep. When it comes to children, there is a very, very, very big part of me that wants to take a baseball bat and say, no, children should be protected from monsters like this. Oh, yeah. And pure victimhood, children who don't understand, children who've grown up in this and they have no concept of what's really normal because it's the only reality they have known. And he takes these promises to Abraham. Now, if anyone's not familiar with him, we've we've spoken about him on the show before, uh, Abraham, not Warren Jeffs. But, <laughs> but God uh, blessed him even though he did live in a world where men would take multiple wives. And now what we what people like Warren tend to do is we'll take that situation. It's being honest about history, even though God frowned upon it. And they actually say that since God didn't smite all those people immediately, then that's obvious proof that God is okay with the idea. And that's a gross distortion. Even though there is a passage in, I believe it's Leviticus, that says you will only have one wife. Yep. That's it. That's no it. more. That's it. No more. That's Definitely it. not children. No, absolutely not children. And so that was the slow fade of God dealing with people who have free will and slowly morphing their culture as thinking over time so that when he establishes Israel, who inherited Abraham and his blessing, they inherited it, and he ensured that future generations wouldn't fall into the same marital mistakes that Abraham's time did. And and as a side note, just as a little itty-bitty tiny little side note, Sarah was not a 12-year-old. No. Okay? Sarah was his peer. It was his age, roughly. I mean, maybe 10 years difference. But, again, adult. Yes. <laughs> yes. He was He was not hanging out with a little kid. But um, <laughs> all this... No, I was just clarifying oh, okay. because Sorry. I was clarifying because <laughs> of people. I thought you were trying to clear up a misconception that some people. Follow. I mean, there might be somebody out there. I mean, who oh, knows? There's I mean. a cult for everything under the sun. <laughs> but um, not to interrupt you. Sorry. No, you're fine. But all of this, just to paint a picture, to say that this really does happen. It's so easy to say, "Oh, it's fine. We're past that. We don't bow down to little statuettes anymore. We just replaced what it looks like." And abuse happens everywhere of miracles. He abused the miracle of God's promise. Um, I won't paint any other pictures in detail like this, but uh, that was the one that was fresh on my mind. But the list does go on and on. Faith healings. Mm -hmm. uh, people who want to receive a miracle just the way they received a miracle in the day of the apostles or in the, especially in the day of, uh, days of Christ or Elisha the prophet. Mm -hmm. They want to be healed immediately like you read about in Scripture. And people will literally exploit them for money or for publicity to boost mm -hmm. their own name, to boost their own fame, their own wealth. And people's hurts and pains, their genuine hope to find some deliverance from what is uh, eating away their lives is exploited for their own gain. Mm -hmm. uh, Zach, can you think of any other examples of ways that miracles have been? Uh, I'm sure there's... I'm sure there's, unfortunately, I'm sure there's numerous, but off the top of my head, I cannot think of anything else other than just people, you know, reinterpreting Scripture, but basically mm -hmm. pulling Scripture out of context and using it to justify whatever 
whether it be alien theory, which, you know, talking about Ezekiel, which that, you know, is a little bit out there, but at the same time, I mean, that's kind of the same concept as where they take something that's difficult to understand in Scripture and say, well, this is what that means. Allow me to interpret that for you. And they put themselves up on this pedestal, and next thing you know, they've got a following. And that's um, been done since the inception. Yeah, the yeah, people. yeah. Like everybody's been trying to morph scripture for their own purposes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. look at the slave Bible. Yeah. 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 I mean, how evil was that? <laughs> yeah. Beyond wicked. Um, and then I mean, well, even in uh, you know when Jesus, like Satan, was quoting scripture to him, trying yeah. to catch him, and mm-hmm. you know, trying to twist scripture. So I mean, even going back that far. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it goes back to kind of like that one instance where I was talking about that one event where you had the seven rabbis or the the sons of Sceva or whatever where they tried to do an exorcism and uh, it failed horribly for them and, and the demon prevailed over them. Oh, yeah. I mean, so there is a demonic element to those things where people try to mess with something or create a, a new religion or what have you. And unfortunately, there's people out there, especially those who might have a, you know, you might be raised kind of Christian in a Christian home, but you really don't dig deep. You don't really dig and understand what the Scripture teaches. And then somebody comes along and says, oh, well, allow me to help you understand that. And it sounds all innocent, but then all of a sudden their motives come out. And the next thing you know, they're, they're uh, doing something wicked. You know, I mean, again, Robert's example of, of the Mormons with the Latter Day Saints. I mean, that's 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 nail on the head right there. Um, I mean, th- that group in itself is an example of. I mean, the Church of Latter Day Saints is straight up uh, where they took the Bible and then Joseph Smith added to it and then added to it and then added to it some more to the point where it's like they've got a whole religion that doesn't even resemble Christianity, but they say it is Christianity, and it's not. Oh, yeah. It's the same thing all over the board with any any group that's willing to throw the name of Jesus out there. You know, Zach mentioned the sons of Sceva. That's literally first generation, the book of Acts, the very people who looked Jesus in the eyes. And you've already got the problem of people wanting to use Jesus. It's a simple word to say, Jesus. Jesus, and there are some that it doesn't mean anything to them. The reason the demon overpowered them is because they thought they could throw out that name, those syllables, like you throw out abracadabra, and mm-hmm. they thought Jesus, the sound, would hurt the demon. The demon said, you don't even know him. What are you talking about? Yeah. That, that There is a person behind that name. Mm-hmm. You know nothing. <laughs> yeah. And to this day, it keeps getting um, tarnished and destroyed. Uh, cults that try to use that name to to try to fool people who respect it Mm -hmm. and to just expand on the miracle thing again, even outside of what you'd call a consider an Abrahamic tradition. uh, Those are the the things based on scripture, things based on Semitic ideas, uh, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Mormonism, Jehovah's witness and all that. Even beyond that into the more neo-pagan stuff that you see today, Eastern religions that you see cropping up in the West, new age beliefs that crop up in the West. These are loose and fancy free versions of spirituality that aren't necessarily pinned down by text. These groups also suffer from the, the destruction of the idea of a miracle because how many times do you hear about 
go, uh, groups in uh, new free spiritualities or especially groups that get involved in occultic practices, they're searching and they're digging for some kind of experience. A miracle is a direct contact with something beyond the ordinary. Mm-hmm. It's supernatural, beyond the natural. And they're digging for this. They're looking in all the wrong places, but that's what they're looking for. They're looking for a cheap knockoff of a miracle. And there is most certainly uh, a a little um, sect that is looking to persuade you to believe whatever whatever you want to believe as long as you don't believe the truth. Oh, yeah. And and they uh, can if, if if you're not experienced with what a true miracle is, and you see this random occurrence or what have you happen, you might attribute that to something supernatural being God, but it's not God. It's it's something else, something demonic. Oh yeah. And so this idea, and I, and the reason I bring all of this up with the the other extra Abrahamic groups is. This kind of feeds into this universal longing in the soul because I'm hoping people all across the board are listening in on this on this show. And so people who might have multiple different backgrounds, the idea of a miracle excites just about everybody except the most hardened empirical atheist who refuses to believe there's anything beyond the physical. But, um, you know, the idea that you can contact the spirits, the idea that uh, you can gain powers for yourself that will allow you to control certain events in your life. The idea that you can uh, transcend the limitations you have as just one person in flesh and blood. All these hopes and dreams that these people chase after to try to find fulfillment, they're, they're literally just chasing after a weaker, more tainted version of what Scripture actually offers. And the, the biblical miracles uh, can be frustrating to Christians because... You can't control them. You mm-hmm. you can't choose when they're going to come. You can't choose what the ultimate impact is going to be. You can't choose when the payoff is going to come. We talked about Abraham and the blessing he received didn't actually see fulfillment until he was dead and gone. And yet he was able to rest in the trust that he had because they came from another person on the outside of him that looked down and loved him. And so <laughs> instead of trying to find ways to control the one of one of the many challenges of Christianity is giving up that pride that says it's okay if things don't go immediately my way because I finally understand the sources that I'm getting these experiences from, and there's only one person that I want to receive those kinds of contacts with. But um, one last little subgroup of miracle that I can think of, and we've covered many things. We've covered um, the the false definition of miracle. We've covered the distorted miracle. Now, finally, the the cotton candy pop culture miracle. And by oh, that, I mean yes. Christmas morning miracles, mm-hmm. like you got a pony for Christmas. <laughs> your aunt that you haven't seen in 20 years showed up on your doorstep. It's a miracle. And, I mean, almost every Christmas movie does this. It's a Christmas miracle. Things worked out really well. Which, huzzah. Huzzah. Which I'll say in certain situations it could be loosely providential. It could be God's will for you to apologize and make up with that person who has been mad at you for 20 years. But yeah. we, we've we forgotten what miracle means. Sometimes we even just mean something that makes you feel good. Yeah. It's a yeah. miracle. It's a happy thing. 
And Happy goodness. <laughs> Happy I goodness. Make it to work in the morning without a slowdown or a traffic jam. Hey. This is a miracle. <laughs> I know. Have to work on time. Hey. I know. 30 minutes instead of an hour. <laughs> I know. And I've, I've uh, even heard, like, uh, and it, it does make you feel good. It's optimistic. But the idea of, like, if you woke up, if the sun rose, that was a miracle. Now, I get what they're saying, and I don't want to be that pessimistic, grump, grumpy uncle, but according to the biblical definition, that was a very good thing. It was, I would say, a blessing, but not a miracle. Right. Which, how sad, like, that to me is such a, what's the word I want to use? That's so telling mm -hmm. on how bad people think that the world really is mm -hmm. when something simple like one thing goes right. Yeah. And that is classified as a miracle. Yeah. You yeah. Make it, like you make it to work on time. Yeah. Because... Like when, when things are, when people obviously think the world is so bad that the tiniest thing actually going correctly, <laughs> you have to give it the strength of something like. Oh, a yeah. Miracle. Oh, yeah. It's mm -hmm. a religious yeah. experience. I found $5 in the yeah, parking lot, like, even though everything else is going to hell. Like, how convicting <laughs> is that for the oh, world? Oh, man. Right. right. Right, the state right. of the world when mm -hmm. when you're using like and i know most people use it as you know, right they but still the guy they had something good and then says say oh it's a blessing it's no it's a miracle and it's like it's like that's technically not what that means <laughs> <laughs> not at all <laughs> it doesn't mean but i think you think it means <laughs> and then you have several people who they literally try to find providence in everything yeah 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 and i think that's kind of on the flip side you have the people who don't believe at all yeah and yeah. the people who believe every single thing yeah is, it's just like you know it's like well no that's not providence it's just that that driver is just a really bad driver and ran a red light so yeah yeah there's no yeah. providence there they're no. just a bad driver. No, <laughs> they were yeah. texting on their phone and they just ran a red light. And yeah. Oh yeah. Now, I don't know. It's yeah, now there might be providence in that, like, whereas, you know, that happens, but you happen to, like, you mean to hit the gas, and for some odd reason, you don't hit the gas. Like, you have, like, a feeling within you that says, do not hit the gas, and you don't, yeah. and they whiz by, and it's like, whoa! Yeah. You know, there are instances of that, but again, that's that's not a that's not a miracle in the sense of classic sense of, like, where God has literally, like, done something supernatural. Yeah. And and so it it's it's it is rare, but yeah, it's a mistake to try to paint a picture of your life like like it's already a movie about your life, and you're trying to figure out where it's all headed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we try to paint this hero version of ourselves. Now, or like you've got a personal guardian angel who's helping, oh yeah, who's protecting you or who's guiding decisions yeah. or guiding events around you. Yeah, oh, yeah. You hear yeah. a lot of people say that, which. Oh yeah. I mean, we don't know. I mean, there might be some instances where mm -hmm. there's divine intervention that yeah. we don't see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm not I mean, trying to discredit. Oh, that, right, right, right. But not. the people who think constantly yeah. throughout their day that every yeah. single thing. Yeah, like is, I, I was late to work for some reason. I don't know, but maybe because I was late to work and my boss was okay with it, maybe it was. God protecting me from an accident that could have happened, but you won't know. You'll never know. God doesn't leave it up to chance. He'll he'll let. I mean, if there's something going on, they'll, he'll let you know that something's going on or something like that. You know, it's not like 
you get this funny feel, feeling within you, and it's like, oh, that could just be gas, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I ate too many tacos, and it changed my life. <laughs> Here's my story. <laughs> it might change your life, depending on where you get it That's from. That's the wrong moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, and, and yet, there are times that we, and I, I've had it said to me before, is, most of the stuff he does do, it's not the miraculous stuff you could make into a movie. It's yeah. stuff that you will never even see. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. by now, he's probably put so many things out of your way that you don't even know about it. It was not when you lost your keys. You're just forgetful. <laughs> it was, you know, that thing five years ago that would have come to haunt you if he hadn't helped you avoid it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just a couple of stories to give us all, little, uh, especially the believers, <laughs> comfort that God is always working even though we don't see it I mean there are two stories that happened on the same day I heard testimony from a woman she was in a big city and she had an appointment in an office building and she was headed towards the door and now this is definitely more miraculous than providential if her story is true but she felt a pair of hands I mean like haunted house version pair of hands touch her gently on the shoulders and nudge her just to turn around and she looked and there was no one there so then she i mean she was a little spooked so she's like okay maybe i'll just walk down the sidewalk for a little while and so same day different state there's a family getting to their car on the same date and they were about to take a family vacation they got in the car and the car wouldn't start and mm. the dad was absolutely furious because he knew that he had changed the oil he knew oh, he had done I, I can relate to this dad oh he, he was kicking the hubs <laughs> And so the woman and the family in two different parts of the country were, she was kind of mystified and confused. He was furious and confused. And this occurred on September 11th, 2001. The woman was turned away from the front door of the World Trade Center. Mm. She looked up because she went and sat down on a bench, looked up, and she saw an airplane Mm. going towards the tower she had just decided not to walk into. Meanwhile, the family was headed towards the airport to get on one of the flights. Mm. So it will on occasion. God knows what he's doing. (laughs) (laughs) And there's an example. Oh, absolutely. And I've heard this testimony through uh, Christian ministries, people turning those stories in. You know, tell me a time when God changed your life. (laughs) Well, he spared it. (laughs) And he does the same for us. It just sometimes that doesn't get national coverage. Mm Mm-hmm. He he saves us in so many different ways that we will never know until yeah. we get a chance to ask him, and yeah. he he might show us some, and we'll thank him for it. Mm-hmm. Now, to land the plane on this, a couple big topics that'll land the plane on this. Let first, let's go to the biggest miracle of all. There is no miracle that's ever going to top the simple fact that we are here. Mm-hmm. creation itself and now this w- has been an episode of itself mm-hmm. it was one of the very first ones we covered so we're, we're not going to go down that rabbit trail just go listen to the other episode <laughs> but <laughs> DNA, shameless plug yeah dna but uh <laughs> no just the fact that we are here something exists oh, yeah. the simple fact of it and brilliant men like stephen hawking albert einstein got furious because they couldn't explain it and yet they never questioned the logic inside their own brains that let them even sit back and think about it. The fact that there is anything here at all that makes sense, that is logical. I mean, the fact that we are held to the sun by gravity, by a ran- in certain viewpoints, it's a random cause and effect that something uh, struck a meteor and it just happened to get caught in a sun's 
gravity orbit, and yet we have certain hours of daytime, certain hours of nighttime. We have a satellite in orbit that we call the moon that brings just enough light to the nighttime. Again, something that was supposedly a complete chance, and that doesn't even get down to the molecular level. And so the fact that whether you want to call it the Big Bang, the Big Flash, the Big Hoo-Ha, whatever, Genesis God 1, spoke. God said, what? And it said, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> The, uh, <laughs> that's the in a, that's the Robert version, not the the, the Robert paraphrase. <laughs> but yeah, the the probability of everything oh, happening man. to lead yeah. to the not perfect, but when you look at the world as a whole and how yeah. everything works together, mm-hmm. I mean, oh the gosh, probability of just it just happening by chance, happening by chance. And the no. Christian view is that an astronomically intelligent brain. Something that's even beyond a physical brain, just a mind, is behind the molecules in your water, mm. the breath that you are breathing down to that level. The, the Doctor Pepper, the Doctor Pepper you hold Brian in your hand. Drinking. Yeah, we're it's talking about diet. Brian. <laughs> I'm just saying. If anyone happened to take a sip out there of Doctor Pepper by chance, that we're not prophets. <laughs> but <laughs> Brian literally but, uh, just took a sip. <laughs> try not to choke in oh, shock. No. But anybody wants to sponsor us, Doctor Pepper? <laughs> <laughs> sort of kidding, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> not really kidding. I'm actually kind of serious. <laughs> but in all reality. If we really believe that something is holding this thing together, who did so much math that the greatest minds to ever live couldn't collectively understand it all, couldn't Mm -hmm. factor in every decimal of this, and he is watching over it at all times. It even says in the scriptures that he's holding it together, like he is making sure that these atoms don't fly apart from each other every waking moment of every waking day, and we take it all for granted. How simple is it? to do something as tiny and mundane as parting the Red Sea. Like if his hand is on every H2O atom that's in that water, mm-hmm. and Moses says, okay, God, please do something. And God says, okay, and he moves it. Is it really that big a deal? If you already believe one, you, you, you've you got to believe the other. You've got to believe well, it's possible. Well, I mean, it, it goes back to if God exists, and we believe he does, and he cares about us, which, again, we believe Scripture teaches that he does then he is going to involve himself in our world and mm-hmm. that is a miracle oh yeah and um, i've already plugged his name on the show before but norman geisler when he was alive did phenomenal apologetics and there's a book he wrote arguing from the ground up and he got to the miracles and he, he said okay this chapter is going to be the shortest one <laughs> and he just made a simple point he said a little girl is on the floor playing with a dollhouse she can reach in and pick up her dolly and put it in another room, or she could open a little window and close it. And he said the same is like God. He said it's philosophical. God can either reach into his universe or he can't. He's either there or he's not. If he's not, then he can't. If he can, then he can. Mm-hmm. And he said it's as simple as that. But whether or not, let's look at other things. And then he started arguing, well, is there one there? Mm-hmm. And so he said the miracle thing was like a bridge. Once you get to is there a God, miracles is a simple given. But, uh, I mean, it's a great talk. Um, I think about, and I'm not just chasing rabbits, but uh, David Hume was that famous voice years ago. I mean, hundreds of years ago, he said that miracles were impossible because, like Zach said, it was a closed system. He said, since the laws of physics cannot change, 
something that goes against the laws of physics cannot ever happen. And people ate that hook, line, and sinker for years. And a simple thing he got wrong is the laws of physics are always what happens unless something else on the outside intervenes. And he never considered it because he automatically just assumed that there was nothing out there to intervene when he started his argument. So he, start, he argued in a circle without realizing this. And so there, therefore, says Scripture, since there is someone out there, all he ever has to do, if he wants to turn on the light, is reach in and flip the switch. And the New Testament says he did just that when the time was right. He, flipped, he reached in, flipped the switch, and he flooded the whole house. Mm-hmm. And so now we get to land the plane with the thing that's going to touch on our next episode is the miracles of Jesus. Now, why would God come and do miracles through him? Any thoughts, Zach? Why would God choose to come and do miracles through him? Oh, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I was off in my own little world with oh, trees and flowers. You're fine. I thought um, we would kind of touch base on this for a minute and then I would the say, you know, one, to let people know that he was actually there. Um, you know, he did make a promise. And that, and that's one thing. It's like whenever we hear someone make a promise, you know, intuitively, especially when it's something like like someone makes a promise to you or to me, you know, we hold them to that promise. And when that promise, if that promise doesn't happen, especially like you know, like a, a child, you know, if that promise doesn't happen, it, it hurts that child. So when God said that he was going to do something that was a promise and it's like it was a promise made and then here comes jesus and that's promise kept mm-hmm. you know that 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 is um basically what it boils down to in a nutshell god's like yep there's a problem within all of us no matter you can give them laws you can give them a code you can give them what have you but that doesn't fix what's wrong until I come, until I bring my solution, there's going to be this problem. And Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the uh, the promise made, promise kept mm-hmm. of God. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I was hoping to land the plane with this, because we've got to find somewhere, <laughs> some runway, is Jesus before you land the plane. Okay. Oh, 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 oh. Plans to get back up in the air. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> he grabbed that joystick. We, we did a touch and go. Um, <laughs> he could always edit this part out. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, I was getting ready to, to preface that. If I can definitely edit this part out. But I want to pick on Catholicism real quick. Okay. Because That's mean. I'm trying to remember back because they always like do their canonization of the saints or whatever it's called. Okay, yep. Part of becoming a saint is you have to, per, what is it, perform two miracles? Perform at least two miracles. Before two and after. Before like, and after, yeah. Like before you died and after you died. So, yep. as someone who not really studied Catholicism, don't really know anything about Catholicism, what are they doing? Like, how are they defining miracles? Because obviously you're not going to have Saint whoever mm-hmm. parting a sea or feeding 5,000 with uh, yep. a couple of loaves of bread. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if we look at the definition of a miracle as direct divine intervention between God and mm-hmm. our reality, 
are they changing the definition of miracle in that? Or, like, what's going on with that? I think, in my opinion, I think it's muddying the water between providence and miracle. That mm. would be my speculation. Like, you know, there's there's this saint who does X, and it's something providential, like, you know, like something happens. And so there's his thing that he does whenever, you know, he's alive. Here's his miracle that he did, something providential. And then something that might be tied to his area happens after he dies, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or or like a ministry or something like that. And I, I can almost bet that those are pretty ambiguous, you know, like, oh, well, I had this happen, and therefore it's this guy who did it, you know. So mm-hmm. that would be my speculation on that. I think it's just a, a like a muddying of the waters between providence and miracle. Oh, yeah. And a lot of these, now, the same criticism goes to Jesus, and so there's some uh, some parts that uh, some people out there listening, if this is in the episode, um, they might be thinking, well, you're having your cake, eating it too. It's easy for you to come up with the same argument against Catholicism because you yourself aren't Catholic. But another thing that is when the they actually uh, have a committee that investigates the supposed miracles of someone up for sainthood, and a lot of these is after the fact, so the posthumous investigation. Some of these are so far in the past mm. that they can't really be verified. The real evidence would be written traditions that the church has passed on because of that person's revered name. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, they kind of go off that definition, you know, anything. And I'd argue they don't change the definition. It's just what you in, are you willing to interpret in your daily life as a miracle. Mm. And one thing is if the committee along with a scientific committee, cannot come up with, because they'll get Catholic scientists involved. If they cannot find an explanation for something that happened in the person's life, then they will consider that as canonified miracle. And there have been a couple of times where they've dug and just found something to put. (laughs) And my favorite example, and maybe it's worth keeping in the episode just to have this story, but um, one of the most famous Catholics in their entire history, in our history, is uh, Thomas Aquinas. He wrote a massive colossal book, like the Encyclopedia of Theology itself, (laughs) that we all, as Christians, benefit from today. He helped to codify, um, you know, the Trinity, uh, morals. Uh, his, His arguments are being used to this day. But they wanted, obviously, they very much wanted him in the sainthood. He was way too famous by the time he died. And his life is honestly kind of a sad story. He was, um, you know, he was very overweight. He didn't do much with his life. He he went to school, sat, read, and and wrote, all, almost all his life. And he literally, the way he died was he was on his way to a conference and fell off a horse and hit his head. Mm-hmm. So it was not some you know beautiful martyr story. And yet Thomas Aquinas's life mattered. So they were looking back, and the council, they actually were trying to find something they could pin to say that he was a saint. That what can we have as a miracle to say that Thomas Aquinas, we can't not put Thomas Aquinas in there. And so there's one story, it's a true story, but when he first decided to join the church and take the vow of celibacy, his family was horrified. Now this is way back in the 1200s, rewind the clock. So what his brothers did, and this was so unethical, but they thought, well, maybe... If we can hire a cute prostitute to seduce him just once, he will lose his vow of rights, and we never have to worry about this again. So they sent this woman, 
I mean, she was all but naked, probably. Showed up in Thomas Aquinas' bedroom one night, and she'd already been paid, so she was ready to go. She tried to jump on him, and, and according to the story, <laughs> yes. So you can paint this picture of him screaming, waddling around the room, trying to avoid. But according to the story, he grabs a poker. He puts it in the fire, makes it white hot, and <laughs> stings her. <laughs> I don't know where he put it, but he ran her out with the poker. And so the official story of Thomas Aquinas's miraculous life is the ability to have providentially avoided the 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 demonic uh, ca- uh, the demonic trap of lust in that episode of his life, uh, and he became a saint. Huzzah! Now I will clarify that in Scripture. Whenever you become a believer, whenever you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a saint. It does not require an assembly, a pope, a bishop, or anything like that. Whenever you say, I follow Jesus Christ, that makes you a saint. Mm-hmm. And so that's just a, just a little nugget as a point of uh, clarification there. That way there's no miscommunication, what have you. We, as you know, believers of the Bible, say, I mean, that's just a simple fact of... You know, because, you know, Paul or whoever in the in the Old New Testament would say, you know, to the saints in Rome or to the saints in Galatia, peace to you, what have you. It was to everyone who was an actual believer. It, I mean, the, a lot of times the uh, various people groups such as Catholics want to delegate these special rankings to certain people, but that's not the truth of Scripture. Nope. The word saint just means sanctified one, and the only thing that will sanctify you is simple faith. Now, uh, now to land the plane again, I'm sure we might be oh, over an hour the plane. close. You, you, you're clear for landing. Okay. Beautiful. Boop, yeah. boop, boom, boom, boop, boom. Boop. So, <laughs> now, next week, we will be talking about specifically the miracles of Jesus. And that's where all of this is ultimately headed when you look at the biblical worldview. Every parted sea, every talking animal, every battle won, every standing st- standing sun, every extended shadow, every resurrected body, every spooky whisper in the night, every appearance of an angel that has ever been recorded in the pages of the fire, Old Testament. Fire, fire from heaven. Stone and fire food from, heaven. from the sky and yes. <laughs> blood in the rivers and firstborns being killed and darkness upon the land and the angel of death showing his face. And, Oh, my. Oh, man. <laughs> it all leads to the birth of a baby in Bethlehem. And so why did Jesus come? Why would he be so openly willing to perform miracles so much more freely than any other time in the history of humans? But that's what we're going to talk about next week is the, specifically the miracles of Jesus. And Zach and I are going to share some of our a couple of our fame, uh, favorite miracle accounts from the Gospels. And, you know, one question to kind of tantalize us in the meantime is people who are skeptical, they ask, if this man was God incarnate, if he had the power to just touch someone's forehead and completely heal them the same way that the people we talked about earlier claim to, and he wanted nothing in return, if he really could do this, why did he just stick to one little people group? Why did he just stick to one part of the map? Why didn't he go, you know, why didn't he postpone his own crucifixion and get crucified at 90 and just travel the whole world. He could have spread that so much quicker. And the the simple answer is going back to the promise of Abraham we've said before. The blessing of Abraham was to his children, to the Jews, to Israel. 
the promise was to Israel, and therefore to Israel he must go. And that's where he's headed, and that's where we'll leave it off until next week. All right. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that was a really heavy episode. So <laughs> well, we like it. Yep. I'm just glad I didn't cough like <laughs> all the time, like randomly breathe. Okay, yeah. Robert, go, go, Robert, yeah. record, record. <laughs> last, last winter was me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I'm really excited about next episode. Um, can't wait uh, um, for that. But uh, yeah, this has been great. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Robert. To those listening, if you want to interact with us again, visit our Facebook page, the Achieving Christian Thought Podcast. You can also visit our website at theactpod.com. And, uh, yeah, um, miraculously, we've made it through another episode. Wow. <laughs> and uh, we will uh, s- <laughs> and, uh, we'll see you all uh, next uh, episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> see ya.